Hey there, this is the Rugged Angel Cast, an hour dedicated to celebrating one particular woman each week as she tells her story. I am your host, Camila. I want to wish everybody a happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, or just Merry December if none of those holidays are your thing. Happy Festivus also, you know, to the rest of us. I took some time off for some much needed self-care and hopefully you all have been able to find that special time for self-care in your own lives because it is so important. Right now, um, we are winding down 2018. We are revving up for 2019. We got a new year, new goals, new dreams coming at you where, um, you know, hopefully you accomplished all the goals that you set for yourself in 2018. And I have full on faith and I believe in you that you will accomplish everything you want to accomplish in 2019. I hope it brings you nothing but happiness, joy, peace, love, laughter, prosperity, good times chuckles, you know, friends and family, just whatever it is that you need that makes your heart and soul sing. Now, in the spirit of the holidays and spending time with family, I'm popping back in to bring an episode that is super special to me. So I'm probably not going to have another new episode until after the new year, like sometime in January. And, um, you know, I am planning out new episodes and, you know, hopefully the next year will bring awesome interviews with um, even more brilliant women that I look forward to talking to. Um, so just stick stick in there with me. I appreciate you sticking in there with me for this long. Um, you are all great. I appreciate all of you listeners. And um, But before I tell you why this episode is so special to me, please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. The show can be found on iTunes and Libsyn under Rugged Angel Productions. Rugged Angel is one word. And I can also be found on the social medias under the same name. You know what? That can be one of the new things that you resolve to do in 2019. I'm not trying to tell you your business, but it would help me reach some of my goals. So it would be you helping me. We're all in this together. It's just, it's a give and take. It's a family situation. We are trying to let's lift each other up shall we i appreciate you so this episode okay now i have loved admired and respected this guest for 42 years she has taught me to be strong independent and creative just to name a few of the many life lessons um she has taught me. She's an artist, an entrepreneur, an educator, so many things. Um, and mo- but most of all, most of all, she is a light in my life. Now, if you want to find out how I got to be so awesome, you should have a listen. Friends, I would like to introduce you to Rugged Angel number 107, but always number one to me, my mom, Deanna Adams. Okay, I am pleased to announce and to welcome, finally, the woman who is the reason for my being, the reason for who me being who I am, the reason probably why any of you know who I am, my mom, hey. Deanna Adams. <laughs> welcome to the Rugged Angel cast. Oh, thank you, honey. Thank you for having me. Um, it's an immense pleasure. Um, I don't even know where to begin because obviously I know your story, and your story is... 
is vast, it's immense, it has twists, it has turns, and there's, and there's all sorts of, you know, I mean, there's just a lot, a lot that you've accomplished in your lifetime and as much like as in a lot of people's lifetimes. Mm. And as I said before, that, you know, we could probably do a 24 part series on just you and what you've accomplished and your talents and skills. Um, but we're just going to try to condense everything into an hour. Okay. <laughs> and, and then maybe some point in time in the future, you'll come back and yeah. you know, talk yeah. about something else, anything else. Sounds <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. hmm, where do we begin? I don't even understand. Okay. So, um, I guess there's going to be three, three high points, three, three bookmarks that we'll, we'll touch on. And they kind of, they kind of um, hold, they're kind of placeholders for everything that, okay. that of who you are and, and mm -hmm. all that. So I think number one is one of the biggest things in our childhood and, and you, what was mainly important and you raising us is um, the power of positive thinking. Mm -hmm. And it's the fact that, and also a lot of things that you have done that you were doing way back in the 70s and the 80s, it was like foreign to everybody else. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people weren't on board with yeah. it. And you were like, you know, trendsetter, basically. And I don't want to say trendsetter because that sounds mm -hmm. a little shallow, but more like, you know, ahead of your time. Yeah, for sure. And before, like, anybody was trying to go about that way. And then, like, you know, mm -hmm. 15 years later, people start talking about this book called The Secret or whatever, which I still, have, you know, yeah. where, like, now yeah. everybody's talking about, exactly. you know, trying to live their life. So mm -hmm. where did you, where did that, what made you change that? mindset like where how did you get to that point of to where like you know what what were you reading who mm -hmm. you know what was your inspiration as to where like where did the positive mindset change come from okay well the positive thinking basically comes from just like where the secret basically has come from it's the words of jesus christ mm -hmm. and those are words that you anyone will find in scripture mm -hmm. the power of believing jesus told us faith you know moves mountains mm -hmm. um the power of believing so even when Norman Vincent Peale mm -hmm. wrote the book, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking, mm -hmm. and then later, Think and Grow Rich by, um, I'm not recall. Is it Agamandino? Uh-uh. No. Um, was the greatest salesman in the world. Okay. Um, it's just not coming to me right now because right. I'm thinking of so many other things. Right. But, um, yeah, but basically, from a spiritual standpoint, you know, Jesus told us that whatever we believe we'll have it, you know, mm. so that's the basis of it right there. Absolutely. So I just started reading the scripture and understanding that, and then I read a book called uh, Think and Grow Rich, mm -hmm. and I actually went by each chapter, and this was like about when I first started reading the um, Think and Grow Rich, I believe I picked that up first in like 19, had to been like maybe 70, I'd say about 75 or 70, about 1975. Mm -hmm. So that's when I first started reading it. Okay. And then later I read other books like um, The University of Success, which has like 50 chapters in it pretty much. And it has all these different principles of thinking positive. Mm. And I just started putting them to practice, you know, with the little things. First, like um, a, a parking spot, you mm. know, in a crowded um, uh um, shopping center and mm -hmm. I just started visualizing a parking spot right close to the door you right. know and little things like that and it manifested the power of believing um, our thoughts are things everything we think let alone say they go out into the universe and they circle the universe and they come back to us multiply a hundredfold basically mm -hmm. um, I started doing other little things you know um, just being cognizant 
and uh, mindful of the things that I've thought and the way that I spoke. And um, just wanted to, when I, whatever I wanted to manifest, I visualized the end result. When we do things like I'm a um, video, I'm, I worked in Flash before, if anyone mm -hmm. likes their video editors and things like that, animation, mm -hmm. um, computer digital editing. In Flash, there was a principle, and like the tweens, when you're making the animation, mm -hmm. there's something in between, mm -hmm. but it's everything that's in between is really the intricate and everything that you're putting together in order to see that, you know, that final result of the character dancing or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's the tween. Mm -hmm. So I just pretty much think like when you're thinking of something, you want something to manifest, you don't think of the tweens, which is what they refer to them as, that's the in-between. You think of the end result. Mm -hmm. If you want to, um, say for instance, we used to promote and present shows, mm -hmm. and, you know, I want an audience eventually of like, a seating capacity, I fill a venue of 3,000 people, say for instance. Mm -hmm. And what I would do, I'd get pictures and I'd look at the pictures, I'd post them wherever I'm going to be basically throughout the day of mm -hmm. audiences, you know, and seeing myself, what, whatever the goal was, that's what I visualize, you know. Right. So I don't see what's in between. Like if someone says, oh, that venue is not available, or whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't look at all any of that. Right. I just, keep looking at the end result and mm -hmm. eventually that in between will work itself out you know um, on God's timing or a higher power or the universe whatever anyone wants to believe in mm -hmm. you know but it will work out but you just visualize the end result that's it right and that was another thing too um that we were always really great at uh you know positive affirmations and then yeah. making our vision boards mm -hmm. and just making sure that you know we speak yeah. As it as it is, act as if. Definitely. And um, you know, and, and you also mm -hmm. found that this was so important that you started a children's group called the Positive Force Performers. Yes. Starting yes. with yeah. my sister and I. Exactly. <laughs> and our yeah. cousins. Yeah. As to where we would rap, sing, dance, and act out positive messages to our peers. Exactly. And so you were training up a whole new generation mm -hmm. of, of strong moral leaders. Mm -hmm. That was so, that mission and goal. Exactly. Yeah, I was um, a former I'm a former police officer, so mm -hmm. I resigned. And when I resigned from the police force, I wanted a, a business, basically, so my daughters, you and your sister at the time, were little girls, you mm -hmm. know, that could work right with me in the business. You yep. know, I didn't need a babysitter. I didn't want anyone watching you. I want you there with me. One of the main reasons that I resigned from the police force, mm -hmm. because we were on rotating shifts at the time, and every uh, every two months, pretty much, we'd have to have a, um, a new schedule, you know, mm -hmm. I'd be on a new, different shift, and that entailed me having to juggle and get new babysitters. And I just wasn't right. going to have any and everybody um, watching my children. You know, you're precious to me. Mm -hmm. So so when I resigned as a police officer, I also was happy that I wasn't um, just always focusing on the negative mm -hmm. aspects of youngsters, you know, because when I was a police officer, I would take them, you know, you got have, you have to lock them up, and they refer to them as juvenile delinquents, and I didn't see children as that. Right, that I was a them. problem back then, too, is where a lot of mm -hmm. people were just thinking badly about children. They were, you know, the mass, the majority of people were, like, you know, just already had give, were giving up yeah, on the youth. Exactly. As to where that was not your plan. Right. When I, like, have to transport a child, say, for instance, to um, juvenile, you know, to lock them up or whatever, I would try to impart something positive to them, mm -hmm. you know, telling them, like, you know, you can do this. You know, you're better than this. And, you know, God gave you a gift and a talent. You know, God gave something to you that's special. Mm -hmm. But the, the transport was just like about 15 minutes or something like that, 10 minutes, of, right. you know. And I didn't have time to really 
but you could plant a seed. Right. So I was basically planting seeds. So anyway, when I resigned from the police force, I started a company called Ad Love Productions. Mm -hmm. And Ad Love Productions, um, we had a group called the Positive Force Performers, mm -hmm. and that was you and your sister. You were the main two. Mm -hmm. And then at that time, two of your um, cousins, mm -hmm. my sister's um, children, older boys. Mm -hmm. And you would sing, dance, rap, and act out mm -hmm. only positive messages because I believe that you have peer pressure, but you might as well have the positive peer pressure. Right. So the positive should be more um, influential mm -hmm. in a child, you know. And at that time, it was just a big, it was like, you know, Children saw and were um, influenced by so much negativity. They see people like out in the streets, you know, dealing, um, stealing, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. you know. But I wanted to show them that there was an alternative. They could earn money honestly by developing their God-given talents into mm -hmm. marketable skills. Right. So that was the whole thing of that. And then we bring from that a springboard talent contest and eventually um, shows that we would have professional entertainers on right. the events also mm -hmm. that youngsters could look up to and, you know, see how successful they too could become. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it was just, those are really great, great, um, wonderful experience, first of all and foremost, for like my sister and I being so young and, mm -hmm. and being involved in yeah. all of that and just behind the scenes and always go, go, go. And, you know, yeah. we... You know, out of at the very least, what we learned was a strong work ethic. Definitely. And at the most, we, you know, we, you shaped our lives as Thank to you. who we have become. Yes. And you know, and, you know, everywhere between, it was nothing but you know, positive and mm -hmm. you know, fruitful and just a learning experience as to where, like, yeah. you know, half the stuff that I do to this day, mm -hmm. I wouldn't, you know, I would have had like a much later start on it mm -hmm. had I not learned those things about how to put on how to produce a show how yeah, to yeah. how to produce anything really exactly. you know yeah. <laughs> Just, you were like eight years old and your sister at the time i believe she was like about at least what five or something we were yeah, around about there four, four about four. four she was yeah when we first started with yeah. all the singing and everything right. but pretty much yeah and so you guys pretty much cut your eye teeth on behind the scenes and promoting and producing events that's you know? what we knew yeah like, that's, that's what we did yeah yeah yeah, and um, you know, and that was strong, and you know, everybody, everybody wanted to be in the talent contest. Everybody, yeah. and you know, we also uh, would videotape and send send a lot. There were a couple of contestants that got to Star Search. Yeah, definitely Star um, Search and Showtime at the Apollo. We right. send the videotapes as an audition videotape for them, so that was part of the um, the prize that they received when they entered the talent contest. They had that option of obtaining their own uh, recording, and you right. eventually went became a, the photographer and our videographer as you got older right you know once um, I, I stopped yeah um once i was stopped being older stop being the positive yeah, stopped yeah performing. You started working behind the scenes as a professional videographer and photographer right and you were like i think you got your first camera right the real professional one like right. around um age about 13 13 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And also uh, another one of the I mean but you've been taking pictures of me since you were two yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With our inst Kodak Instamatics. Yeah, time. you know, and it took me a couple of years to realize <laughs> I don't have to stoop down <laughs> while I push the button because there are, there are a few years those photos it's were blurry just, yeah. for me, like, <laughs> when I press down and I yeah. kneel down at, at the but same time. But it was time. a learning process, right. yeah. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, I think one of the, 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 the most important things that you instilled in us is by leading by example, mm -hmm. where my sister and I are concerned, and the fact that you were the strongest woman that I know. 
Thanks, son. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, just watching you do all of this, essentially, by yourself. Yeah. I definitely had, um, I give glory to God, you know, but definitely. Right. Um, I think, I believe that the Lord, he just gave us a lot of ministering angels to do a lot of things that we yeah. needed done. Whenever we needed something, my mother, she always had this, um, she'd say a ram in a bush. Mm -hmm. There's always a ram in a bush. And that came from, again, scripture when mm -hmm. Abraham um, was going to sacrifice his son, um, Isaac. And there was a ram in the bush. So he did not have to end up killing his son because God provided the ram. Right for that sacrifice. So my mother would always say, there's always going to be a ram in the bush, you know? Right. So I'd always just believe that. So whatever, again, if we ran into whatever kind of difficulty, I didn't look at the circumstance. I looked at the end result that right. I wanted to see, that final result, and that was it. And I kept my eyes on that. Mm -hmm. So God always provided, you know? Yes, he absolutely. always provided. So again, that's where that faith comes in. And again, the positive, the power of thinking positive and mm -hmm. having belief, you know? But having belief in the ability that God placed in us, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah you, you set yeah. as a wonderful example, and not just for us, but for like, like oh, I said, yeah. like an entire neighborhood and oh, generation of next generation. We, yeah. went, we took those shows even to like Michigan at the mm -hmm. time and trained youngsters in other community centers, right. you know, and like we were going community centers, schools, mm -hmm. uh, festivals, um, and you know, just television. Television. There were concerts. Yeah. We were opening, yeah. you know, for a couple of different like gospel acts. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And Shirley then, Caesar. They had this thing called the War on Drugs at that time. The Positive mm -hmm. Force performers. You were on that show even right. as um, um, along with other headliners. Mm -hmm. But again, you were the Positive Force performers, and we wrote our own original raps and right. lyrics and everything and you yep. had your everybody's own personalized rap exactly <laughs> y'all said your own thing yeah and then even uh you know and then like starting off the show usually with the positive affirmations like mm -hmm. we would go yeah. through that like, was part come... of your training right yeah you had training and practice every um other every other day in different neighborhood youngsters they come in who are ever members of the positive force mm -hmm. and we'd have these affirmations we made i made the big affirmation board you and your sister and i and we made stars and mm -hmm. put the different words on there and I am love, I am strong, I am brilliant, I am talented, I am happy. Right. So all these affirmations, I'd stand there and say those, I am strong, and they, you come back, I am mm -hmm. strong. That was a part of your training. Yeah. So you're um, instilling those positive messages, and those messages get into the children's spirits. I have youngsters, well, actually, there were youngsters then. Mm -hmm. I see adults today even, like, you know, they'll come, and they'll comp they'll always commend me and thank me. You know, mm -hmm. see, Miss Adams... You know, you taught us this when we were little kids and about nutrition even mm -hmm. and stuff. And, you know, now I'm doing this now and I didn't even understand back then. But, you right. know, so, yeah, they, they definitely come and they, that makes me feel good. They give me compliments and they acknowledge, you know, um, the efforts that I, you know. Yeah, there was a lot of, it was, it was a lot of work. And, yeah. you know, again, you should always be commended for it. And speaking of nutrition, mm -hmm. the nutritional values, that's another mm -hmm. thing that was like, that you were like well above yeah, you're way beyond your uh, way ahead of your time with because yeah. that was like I was like four or five. Yeah, so that's we changed like our diet. 1980, maybe when yeah. um you, we, you just gave the overhaul to like our, our entire diet and yeah. um, you know this was before it was fancy and you know you could find a Whole Foods on I'm, every corner. Yeah, we really, had like right. one health food store. Yeah, in the city yeah, exactly. of Toledo. Yeah, we had actually yeah one health food store. Basses, that's yeah. right, in the city of Toledo. No, actually, wasn't Jalmers? Was Jalmers was actually in Savannah, Ohio. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, you're correct. One in Toledo at that time. I didn't even realize Bassett's was there when we started. I thought, because we always went to Jalmers. 
Yeah, we went to Jomas quite a bit. Mm-hmm. However, you know, Basses, I believe, I believe Basses, if I'm not mistaken, they were the first ones okay. there. And um, I, I have to give uh, credit to my aunt, mm-hmm. um, Flossie, my aunt Flossie, mm-hmm. you know, your great aunt. Mm-hmm. And she was like, wow, she was like ahead of her time because when she was in the 60s, she'd be telling my mother and her, her brothers and sisters about, you know, this was, you know, healthy for you and this is not, you know, mm-hmm. and white sugar is not healthy, you know, and no one really wanted to hear that, you know, and it's, it's like, amazing how like many people it, we were referred it, to as health nuts back then. Right, yeah, right. Health nuts, you know. But, um, yeah, um, I didn't, uh, so, yeah, we just changed our diets, and I read this book also by Dick Gregory, mm-hmm. God rest his soul, he passed um, last year about the same time, so, yeah. and Dick Gregory had written this book um, for, for people who, cooking with Mother Nature, for people who love to eat, mm-hmm. and I read that book, and it just, like, wow, he was talking about in the book how he changed his diet, because he was, like, over, I think over 300 pounds or something at one wow. point. And he has, like, ten children. So he and his wife at that time, again, this was, like, before any uh, health any health food stores as mainstream, right. they'd make milk, nut, nut milk for their mm. children and babies, and you know, the mother nursed the babies, and they didn't eat any white sugar, no colorants, no artificial chemicals, any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, fresh water, you know, right. and the importance of drinking water, you right. know, and the digestive system, and you're not supposed to eat three um, a sandwich isn't, my aunt even told me a sandwich isn't even supposed to be eaten because you have digestive juices that are coming mm. that has to break down meat. Then one's got to mm. break down um, grain. Then one has to break down vegetables and fruit and so forth and so sense. forth. And then that's a lot of different, right. um, you know, activity going on in the digestive system. Too much, system. like you're overworking your exactly. system. I mean, that, exactly, and that's why a lot of people have what's so-called, they refer to now as... Um, uh, reflux and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's just because there's improper eating. The dietary, mm-hmm. you know, needs to be um, adjusted or changed and improved. So, yes, and um, that's the way I raised you and your sister. And at that time, again, we were pretty much, you have to know, because you were in, gr- in oh, it was it, yeah. Oh, she's time. eating, like, black chips or, you know, your yeah. bread is brown. And, exactly. no, you can't have, you can't participate on pizza day yeah. or whatever because, yeah. you know, and I remember one year I did try it. Yeah, and I picked off, yeah, diet. and I picked yeah. off like the pepperoni yeah. and tried to eat a slice of pizza. Yeah, got terribly sick because exactly. of the juices. Still, exactly, you know? right? Yeah. So you know, I learned that day. I know you learned <laughs> on your own from experience, and that's how you <laughs> learn. That's <laughs> the best teacher exactly. a lot of times. It's like so, I get yeah. it, I got it. Yeah, but the but, um, dead flesh of animals—that right. was my whole thing about that because God didn't create us to create us to eat animals. Right. You know, He tells us in the Bible again what. Um, what we're supposed to eat, you right. know? So there was a flood, and at that point, there wasn't any vegetation. So then it was able to, you know, he had provided so-called clean animals, and he has a list of them there. Mm-hmm. But um, after there's no flood, you know, we have plenty of vegetation now. And again, the strongest animals in the kingdom, the strongest and the biggest animals in the kingdom are vegetation-eating animals. Right. Um, the rhinoceros, the mm-hmm. hippopotamus, the... Um, so forth and so on. Right. They're not carnivorous eating animals. Our teeth are not even. Um, God didn't design our systems like that to to uh, digest the dead flesh of animals. Right. He didn't design our teeth to be able to chew, you know, right. um, the the carcasses of animals. So, like, so yeah, right, exactly. So we are vegetation eating animals by creation. Absolutely. And when one changes their diet and improves it and eliminates the dead flesh of animals and things that are not. Um, conducive to good health, 
then you'll live an abundant, healthy life. You right. Know? And so, so you don't have that yeah. weighing you down. Yeah, that definitely. Just like, because, and just, again, it just comes back Your to, you Your conscious know, the, level even rises when you don't have the dead animals. Well, well plus, yeah, and plus, yeah. you know, that's something else that you always taught us was that, you know, the way that these animals are being slaughtered. Right, exactly. You know, they've got They're that. they uh, Yeah, what is it? The um, adrenaline yeah, that's, work, that's exactly. pumping through poison. them. Right, and they kill an animal at and that And so it's the right height. there, stasis. Right, and it stays the, there. Right. right, and... You know, it doesn't dissolve or anything. That stuff goes right into the system. When the person eats that dead carcass, you're eating the same fear and everything else. Right. And um, uh, the the um, the poison is pretty much right. just break Basically, it down. Yeah, 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 that's what it just boils just, down to. It's the poison that eventually. Right, and then also you know the hormones and all that stuff. And that was another bacteria. Thing. Um, you know, it just stays there and lays in the colon and causes. Um, and with disease. disease, and disease, disease is what it is. Like my aunt said, dis-ease. The body is no mm. longer at ease. Yep. So that's what disease is. Right. So, yeah. yeah, and you know, but it has been a glorious thing to finally see the rest of the world catch up on yes, this. Well, <laughs> so that's now, for sure. A lot of the right, things that we need, we don't, right, we don't have to, you know, try to make our own exactly. <laughs> nut milk. Yes, right. I, used, I even made a, I, I made what was called the abundant life formula. I designed mm-hmm. this on my own formula. I bought plastic bottles by the right. walk and everything. Oh, so many bottles. Caps and labels. <laughs> yeah, and I had, you know, I was um, providing that for different people. Mm-hmm. And I have a nutrition, uh, a natural health. Um, consultant nutritional uh, um, education mm-hmm. in that also as well. Um, I've been a fitness trainer and a manager of mm-hmm. uh, several fitness clubs, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the years even. But um, but yeah, so it has a lot to do with our health and our energy and our like, your, your children's learning capacity and just all everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all in what we eat. It breaks down to you are what you eat, but more so you are what you digest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the body has to be able to digest. If you could, if someone were to come to you, what was what's like? What are the first steps you would tell someone if they want to change their diet or they're trying to? Well, if I have a, a consultation with someone, I first ask them to, to basically before I meet with them to give me a list of everything, write down everything that they've consumed. Um, preferably for a whole week, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'll look that over and I'll see, mm-hmm. you know, people are really, white sugar, for instance, is a drug. Mm-hmm. It's a drug. It's yeah. a multi, multi-billion dollar drug, and that's the industry. Right. They put white sugar in everything, everything. and that's the, it's addictive, highly addictive, and it's the reason why children have so-called hyperactivity and right. whatever other or any like, you know, or so, like learning disabilities. Yeah, and, you know, it, and it diminishes stuff. the B vitamins. That's what white mm-hmm. sugar does. It diminishes the B vitamins, and the B vitamins are necessary for your nerve health, you know. Mm-hmm. So that has a lot to do with it, too. But I would ask them to do that and basically go on a fast, you know, mm. start eliminating certain things and you eliminate certain things by and then you substitute for good like mm-hmm. for instance if you're drinking a lot of soda or pop whatever they refer to it as mm-hmm. um i would say eliminate that and just drink pure spring water mm-hmm. if they're eating like white flour mm-hmm. substitute it with whole grains you know breads and things you know right. there's so many different things it's a, pl- yeah. it's a plethora of uh, uh, you know yeah. It's an abundance of everything yeah. now. So if someone wants to be healthy, it's not like back in the day when we were, we, right. we had to go to this one. We had to do through hard work. We had to do exactly. We had to, my grandma, my, my aunt used to always say, you got to read, you got to read, you mm-hmm. know, so you have to read this for yourself, you know. But at that time, we had to hunt and pick and mm. we had one 
family owned health food store, right. you know. And, and like, we didn't have like all the different versions. It was like goat's milk, I believe, was what mm-hmm, Right, what, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah or, so or rice. I think rice milk was. That was, was coming back. in. Yeah, that was yeah, just that's starting. Just like, starting. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you just had goat's milk or, or unpassed, you know. Yeah. Or, yeah. But we had nothing like we have now today right. with all the Trader Joe's and the Whole Foods. Whole Foods and on I every corner. And I thank God right now. So, yes, you know, me too, it's, man. Not, it's not a chore to try to find right. healthy food, you know. Exactly. So, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's much more accessible as well as the education mm-hmm. out there. It's like, you know, there's with the invent of the Internet, there's no reason why anybody should be ignorant upon anything. That's for sure. That's really. like, you, you can should, Google anything. You can ask your aunt yeah. Google. Yeah. Oh, what? If you, <laughs> if you have an ailment, just, you know, Google it and then right. start looking for alternatives. And also herbs. I'm really into oh, yeah. natural herbs. Of course, everything, like the Bible again says, that, you know, your, uh, the medicine is our our food is, is herbs. Right. You know, that's what it is. We have, yeah, um, there's no, it's no coincidence that most of the things, like all of the things that are intended to heal us and intended to help us are, we can find growing it's, from this earth. Exactly. And, uh, so. Right. God put it, he placed us in a garden. Mm-hmm. And if he placed you in a garden, hey, this is what you're supposed <laughs> to eat. Pretty right. much, you know. Point blank period. Yeah. Um. And okay, so I guess we can shift on over to your entrepreneurial skills, oh, which is just, okay. I mean, that's, and I'm sure that started at a very, very, oh. very, very, very young age. Yeah. Um, you know, we also, we touched on it a little bit with the start of Ad Love Productions, as well mm-hmm. as uh, we you talked about your um, consultations and, you know, nutrition, mm-hmm. nutritionists and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, that's just one more thing that you, that you instilled in us that yeah. not everybody gets, well, not everybody of our age anyway, you know, got to get that firsthand knowledge and training and experience mm-hmm. on and the importance of, you know, knowing and being able to use your God-giving talents to yeah. support yourself. Definitely. And, um, and so where did you learn this? Where did this come to you? Yeah. Um, I think I have to say really like the first time I really put it to and put two and two together, basically that, that you could earn money with, uh, a talent. Mm-hmm. I think probably like maybe when I was about five years old, I used to sing and my neighbors, they would call me to sing for them and they'd pay me money at their parties. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in kindergarten, the, my school teacher, she would give me candy or something at our parties, extra candy and treats to sing the song, you know, for the <laughs> class. It was way back in the, in you know, back, I'm not going <laughs> to say my age and all that stuff right now. It's a different time. Back when she was a child. Yes, when I was a child. So when, in childhood, that's when I first, basically, and I was like three years old, my my grandmother lived next door to a carryout store. Mm. The cor- the store was on the corner. So by the t- when I was like age three, people don't believe me when I tell them this, but I used to go to the store. My cousins and I, we'd go right next door to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. These little steps, big steps. To me at that time, they were right. high steps. <laughs> and we put our little quarter up, on, reach up there and put the, the money up on the counter. And we'd look in the glass. And I was transacting business at that time, you know, <laughs> at three years old. I my business at three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also the, um, the, the guy, he had a store. His name was Butch. It was called Butch's Carryout. And... He had a um, a bar and a grill right in the next little built a little section of that building. Mm. So then at night we could go. We as children again. This is next door to my my grandmother's house. Mm. We run up on the stairs because we see people and I peep in the window and I see the goings on of a <laughs> of a nightclub. You know, and my 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I got a chance, and then we had family members. My granddad, he came over here. Um, he was an entrepreneur, and his sons, they started record shops and everything back then. And we had grills and all that kind of thing down the street. So as a family, you know, I mm. saw this entrepreneurship actually going on in my family, mm. um, basically. Mm. So then by the time I got to be like about, I mean, I went to the store every day as a child. So I'm always transacting business right. anyway, purchasing. I My mother gave me money. Right. I was going back and forth to the store as Trading a child. money for goods. Exactly, <laughs> since age three. Right. So by the time I got to be 13, I met James Brown because I'm an artist and I was drawing portraits of everything and everybody and just any and everything. Right. So I had drawn this portrait of James Brown and my mom, she made arrangements for me to, to she thought it was so good that she should wanted me to meet James Brown and present his portrait to him. So when I was 13, she did that. And we got backstage and everything after the show was over and I met James Brown and was like, wow, you know, I don't really remember too much but I was so in awe at the time. You like, said you were 13? I was 13. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know it's amazing. Like that's, I'm sure it was just a blur for you. Yeah, it, was. it was. It was a total blur pretty much, yeah. And I walked in and James Brown was sitting on the table and I walked in and he mm. was looking at this portrait that I had drawn because um, the DJ, my mom had given the portrait to the DJ that I had drawn and she, he had gotten it backstage to James Brown. So, so you did Brown. get, sorry, so you did get to see the show. Oh, before. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw the show, yeah. So it was after the show. So um, we went backstage, and I walked in the room, and James Brown was sitting on the table holding my portrait that I had drawn of him mm. looking at it. And he looked over at me, and he jumped down off the table. I'm like, wow, he's no taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even any taller than me, Harley. Like, wow. He said, you draw this? I said, yes, sir. He said, I like this. This is good. Yeah, he said, you're really talented. I said, oh, thank you. And my mom was there, and... He just said some more things, I'm sure. He said, oh, your name is Deanna? I said, yes, sir. He said, I have a daughter named Deanna. He said, I'll, I'll always remember your name because I have a daughter named Deanna. Mm -hmm. She's three years old. Yeah, so um, he liked the portrait. He, gave, he, he, pulled out, he pulled out a $100 bill. He wrote on it to Deanna with all my love. Stay black and stay in school. Love, James Brown. And he gave me that $100 bill, and I'm like, I don't remember it too much anything. That was your, that. That was your you know, first paid gig. That was my first, first paid gig at age 13. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I got $100 bill from James Brown, and he autographed it. Wasn't there a photo of you in the newspaper? Oh, yeah. I was with made, him? I made the, well, not with him, but okay. me holding up the portrait, because okay. the photographer at the time, he claimed he didn't have any film in the camera back. Yeah, I mean, he just You have one it. job, sir. I know it, exactly. One job. Right, exactly. He just didn't, couldn't believe that, you know, this had happened. You know, right. so anyway, my, so yeah, I ended up on the uh, the front page actually mm -hmm. of the newspaper, and I'm holding up the he he came to our house, the photographer. So I'll give him that. Okay, the Browns Raven newspaper, and he held. I held a, um, a second picture that I had drawn, not the original okay. one, but the $100 bill was up there on the picture, so he took That's a picture awesome. of that in me, yeah. <laughs> and my mom, she um, she was really proud, and I was really happy about yeah, it. Of course. So it was a great art yes. article and everything, yeah. And that was awesome for her to... To go through that and to yeah. make sure that, you know, he got, they got in his hands and yes. he saw it. That's an amazing. And my uh, mother, she was the example, you know, mm -hmm. of, of loving your children so much and believing in their visual, um, um, acknowledging and recognizing their gifts at an early age. Right. And being your child's first cheerleader. Right. You know, and the importance of always, she always made sure she read to me as a child and she provided me with art supplies all the time and mm. always had a, an abundance of anything that I needed when she saw that I could draw you mm -hmm. know because she used to think I was tracing until mm. one day I had a project in fourth grade and we had to take the newspaper and the stock page mm -hmm. the stock you know the stocks the numbers and all that was 
all tiny print on it, uh-huh. and we were up the. The, the, it was to draw a, por- a picture of something on oh. that. So I drew my first picture and was on this big old sheet of newspaper that you couldn't trace through. Right. And then that's when my mom recognized. It was like, really really like, yeah. it's like, oh. Yeah. Like, yeah. She's really working. Exactly. <laughs> like she's really doing this thing. All right, now it's yeah. time to get in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but I, I draw and I paint and I'm... I write lyrics. I started writing songs at the age of like about three years old under my grandmother's table, but I was too young mm. to, I didn't know how to write yet, you know, mm. so I couldn't write them down, but I'll be making up these songs in my head. Right. So by the time I got to be seven years old, I wrote my first song because then I could write, mm-hmm. you know, and I've written like hundreds of songs, yeah. yeah, lyrics and everything. And so that and... and another cool thing you used to do mm-hmm. with the Positive Force performers is that you would take popular songs oh, yeah. and turn them into something that was suitable for children to sing yeah. and with positive messages. Exactly, and so, you know, yeah. That's, you know, rework a little. Exactly. <laughs> we <would laughs> change, yeah, we, we'd change the lyrics around and everything so it would be the positive. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that was so much fun. Just working with children that are so talented. I've all, That's always been my passion, you know. I, mm-hmm. To this day, I have a grandson now, and mm-hmm. he's like uh, a year old, and I'm just recognizing the talent in him already, right. you know. Since he was like basically three months old, he started playing on the piano, you know. Uh, so, right. Yeah, but he's really talented, and I just recognize talent in children. I've always yeah. had this, this uncanny ability to... See the talent in children. Yeah. That's a gift that the Lord has given me. Even a lot of times yeah. before the children actually know yeah, that they have definitely. it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, I'm, I'm sure there were quite a few positive force that didn't think that they could yeah. do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And, but hit, you hit saw this it. note mm-hmm. or remember, memorize this, you right. know, and I help polish them up and everything with um. But the training, teaching them diction, enunciation, oh, yeah. proper pitch, you know, your key and this and all that, you know, so that's, technical yeah, and that's, abilities. Yeah, and it's another thing. Like you've always, and I'm assuming that's just something that you just, that's just, you learn throughout the years, like knowing how to train those to sing and dance. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not one that I would, and I think I'm pretty sure I get this from you and also from the training and all that stuff. Like, I can't tell you exactly if you're pitchy. Uh, no, I can't tell you exactly what the note is mm-hmm. or anything like that. But if you're pitchy mm-hmm. or if you're, like, off mm-hmm. key, I can tell what it is. I can't tell you exactly what key it's supposed to be, right. but I, but I know it yeah. when it happens. And exactly. It's like, and I get kind of like this. Exactly. You have to be sure of the, 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 you have your, your um, pitch pipe and you get that key. Right. And the music is, is conducive to what you're singing. Right. So otherwise there'll be a clash. Right. Yeah, so I pretty much learned that from trial and experience, you know. <laughs> hey. Right. Yeah, but um, also my mother, she got me my first guitar. It was an acoustic guitar when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the Beatles were really popular. Uh... And I took the the guitar to school for show and tell mm-hmm. and they followed me home the big the whole base like the whole school followed me home like a crowd like i was a rock star back then wow yeah like i was for real because i had the guitar because you had a guitar i had this big crowd after school following were you me playing home. it no i was just carrying it <laughs> i wasn't uh, i mean like the pie pay proper like follow me children i know <laughs> All my comrades are like, schoolmates, follow me home. I want to hold your hand. But yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. Uh, so, so we, oh, wait. One more. And then oh. she, 
excuse me, she bought me my, my next guitar at the age of 14. Oh, okay. It was an electric guitar with an amplifier. Is that when you really started to play it? Yeah, and then she got me a microphone, and then we formed a group, my sisters and brothers and I, and we formed our own group called the Soulful Six. Mm -hmm. And I was the oldest, and I had like five siblings under me. And the youngest at that time, he was five years old, and we would sing songs by The Temptations and mm -hmm. Gladys Knight and the Pips, Aretha Franklin, you know, and yeah. my sisters were like little nine and 11 years old hitting notes that high and everything. Right. And then the Jackson 5 came out, and like it was even wow, it was really on then because now we didn't have to imitate singing like adults, we could sing the Jackson 5 songs. Oh man, you guys were before the Jackson 5. We were before the Jackson 5, yeah. So we were doing our <laughs> thing when they were probably <laughs> Joe right. whooping them. Oh, and that's no, another thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and I met the, I met the Jackson 5. That's where I was going to come. Oh, like, I was going to come back circle. around. Yeah, yeah exactly. You did it for me. Thank yeah, you. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the segue because I was just going to like clumsily <laughs> back up in oh. there, but we got it. We oh, got yeah. there. We got there. <laughs> So, yes. Yeah. So, the story of the Jackson 5. Yeah. Meeting, which... I met the Jackson 5 um, a couple of years after I met James Brown. And I was uh, calling all around, you know, and just calling these different hotels. Something else I learned from you. Yeah, exactly. And I said, <laughs> may I please be connected? At the time, they had a switchboard. Mm. I'd be connected with the Jackson's room, and I mm. tried to sound like an adult, mm. you know, and professional. <laughs> and how age, old were you at the time? Uh, I was like 15. Okay. Yeah. And so... Finally, boom, I got the right hotel. Uh -huh. And they just said, okay, just a minute. And we connected me. And Joe Jackson answered the phone. And you're the reason why people started, like, celebrities started using pseudonyms <laughs> and fake names in hotels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for real. Exactly. I'm sure. Okay. I said, I said is, this Joe, is this Mr. Jackson? Mm -hmm. He said, yes, it is. And I said, oh, hi, Mr. Jackson. My name is Deanna Adams, and I draw on these portraits of your sons, um, and I'd like to bring them down and, and present them to you if I could. He said, okay, well, come on down. I'm like, okay. Like, uh, um, what? Huh? I'm 15, don't have a car, I'm driving. <laughs> no. no. Okay, what do I do now? So I get off the phone. I said, Mama, I just talked to the Jackson 5's dad. He said I can bring their portraits down. And I draw these portraits of each of them. Each one. Tito was my was the love of my life, <laughs> and I had all these portraits of them. And were their hearts drawn on Tito? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, wow. And I wrote poems for each of them. Tito, oh. T is for a I don't know a little whatever. Teeny bopper type stuff. Well, you know, yeah, fifteen yeah. years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my mom says she 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 didn't miss a beat. She's like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, she did. She got a babysitter and got us some transportation. We went down there, went to the hotel, and. Sure enough, he sent one of his aides down. They came up with the, wow. at the time, his name was Tony. And he was like, uh, I think he's like one of the road managers or something. But he came down and we got, we came into the room. Papa Joe was right there, opened the door. And wow, he was smoking a cigar. <laughs> and he, we came Come in. on in. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and then he, um, he gave us some chit-chat, my mom and I, when we talked to us for a second or two. And then... He said, um, whatever he was, you know, I don't know, again, I don't remember too much of that conversation either. You're looking for Tito. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he brought them all out, each of his sons, and introduced them. He brought out, he said, um, he said, go get Jackie to the guy. Mm -hmm. So Jackie came out first. He was he's the oldest. The oldest uh -huh. right. And after that, Jermaine came in. And after that, Tito came in. After that, I don't remember too much. I don't know. <laughs> Tito uh, came in. <laughs> and then Marlon came in. And... No, I said Tito. Well, Jackie came in. They keep, he brought them in in order. Gotcha. Jackie came in. Then Tito came, came in. Then Jermaine came in. Oh, they had these big clucked out froze back then. <laughs> and then Marlon came in. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, 
Michael came in. He came in last because, you know, hey, he was the star of the right. show. He was the star. Last but not least. Uh-huh. So For Michael the- came in. He said, he pulled up the port. He had looked at the picture that I drew on the portrait. He said, you draw this? Same way like James Brown said. <laughs> Seriously. I said, yes. He said, oh, this is cool. He said, I draw too. I said, really? Yeah. He said, yes. So they were looking at their portraits. He's and probably like, what, 10 at this time? Um, Yeah, Michael was, I was 15. He's like about four years he's actually four or three years younger than me oh, okay but they were passing him off as his age being younger so like about right. 10 they were saying he was 10 but he was in actuality probably more like about 11 or 12 gotcha. so i think he's about 12 and he had come in and he had his he had been swimming in the pool <laughs> at the hotel they had the whole entire floor at the whole oh, holiday wow. inn at that time huh. so they had the whole floor that was their whole entourage took up the whole wow. floor yeah, so um, he came in dripping water. He had been swimming, big old afro water dripping out. And he did some small talk and everything. And Marlon, he was over here all over my mom, looking in her purse and crawling over by my mom. Yeah, at the time. And Marlon's younger than Michael, right? No, he's a year older than Michael. Oh, yeah, so Marlon. Marlon. I know. Yep, he's over there. He, old enough to know better. Yeah, but, but he's 12. His, his, his birthday is March 12th, the same as my mother's. So they uh, share the same birthday. So okay. there must have been some kind of common, right. you know, kindred spirit going right. on. And he took an ink pen and they gave us autographs and everything. Oh. Yeah, so he, I still have the autographs to this day. And Marlon, he took the pen and he was chewing on the tip of the top of it, a big pen back uh-huh. then of my mom's. So and she saved it for, for a while, you know. Yeah, and then Michael, he called Dick Clark. He called while he was in, while we were in the room. He said, he said, hey, Dick, this is Mike. <laughs> just like that, you know. Just because. Exactly. I just wanted to let you know that I was thinking. Like, you know, exactly. Saw something reminded me of you. Yeah, exactly. He didn't say this is Michael Jackson. No, he said, this is Mike. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we stayed visiting with them about um, about an hour. Mm. Yeah. And we graciously thanked them for their time and everything, the autographs. And we just had a great time. Papa mm. Joe, he just laid back on the bed smoking a cigar. Just, just let pumping. it happen. Yeah, just let it happen. He wasn't interfering or saying wow. anything. Yeah, just watching. The whole thing. That's amazing because you would imagine, you know, just at that point in time in their career or even like the stories that we've heard about Papa Joe or mm-hmm. anything that he just would have been a little more like, ah, like <laughs> helicopter. I or, know, you know, right. Like, yeah, you would have thought touching, that. Like listening yeah. to everything. And, and like, not even allowing me to him. come in, period. Right, exactly. If, if just sort of like, hey, I, hey, hi, I've right. got this. Yeah, I um, know. It's like, okay, sure, come on up. I know, what? right. Exactly, right. <laughs> he did. And then kept his word, too. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, and actually made it happen. That's... Right. And this was in 71 at the height of their career. Right. You know, so, I mean, this is when the Jackson 5 are like, this was right. the height of their career. So, yeah. That's wild. I know it. To exactly. To be that accommodating to a fan or, you know, to yeah. someone who just was... Just a little girl. Just a what, young you know, girl. Mom? Who, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, that yeah, that was the story of me meeting the Jackson 5 and spending an hour with them. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah, and I cherish that to this day. I know. Yeah, and with our, a lot of things have, you know... Like it's like my I live a parallel life. It seemed like to mm-hmm. James Brown and, and Michael Jackson after having met them. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, when James Brown passed, I was living in um, Georgia at the time, mm-hmm. the same place that James Brown was there. I was in the same state when James Brown, oh. and he was like an idol to me, you yeah. know. And Michael Jackson, right? When he passed, I was living in California, That's right. and he was in California That's at the right. time. So it was really something. And they they motive, James Brown was a was a like a role model for me and Michael Jackson too. So when I started really getting into entertainment big time, you mm-hmm. know, really promoting events and stuff like that with other professional artists and entertainers throughout the years, mm-hmm. those were the ones that were pretty much like the catalyst and 
the um, blueprint for me, the way I, I read a lot of books. So I've read, oh, a, yeah. I've got a library, library upon libraries. And, you know, I, we took, you and your sister have been going to the library since you were babies. Yes, that's one of uh, my favorite, <clears throat> it's one of the many favorite memories of us, you know, always, like when we lived within walking distance to the yeah, library, yeah. first and foremost, and mm-hmm. like all the... Um, wagon summers that we would like pull mm-hmm. our empty wagon mm-hmm. down and then fill it yeah. up with books and yeah. bring it back down and then like mm-hmm. what two days later yeah we had finished everything yep. and then take yep. it all back exactly. it got to a point where like yeah. we had read like just about every book in that yeah branch. that branch exactly and we were just like okay now i know so then <laughs> we we're able to go well, then we, we start to go going downtown. to other branches yeah yeah, yeah. 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 we yeah. like go out to other yeah. exactly other neighborhoods. Uh, definitely and definitely downtown the <laughs> right. main branch oh wow to this day i still haven't found a, a library with the architecture like that main branch Not in toledo i hope I that I library love. is still standing i hope, I hope so it's too. still intact yeah i hope so too because that was that was amazing. It and was. I, like any I, other library I've been in since is oh pale gosh, in comparison. It was so, yeah. <laughs> and we just get lost. I know in it there. exactly, really. <laughs> I remember the first time I went to that library, the main library downtown when I was uh, in grade school mm. and they had all that um that art they had all that the drawings and the paintings over the ceiling and the walls and oh, everything. Remember all yes. those different all the way around mm. and I thought that was like oh that just like blew my little mind. <laughs> I'm like, Whoa yeah, It was so uh, especially even the children's room. Was um, or the yeah, like the young adults' room with all the or the children's room and the young adults' room with all the books and everything there, mm-hmm. like just the architecture, yeah, design, and how the old school style is what oh, yeah. I was just really into, just the old building. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> it was just so amazing. The architecture is so just original architecture and yeah. everything. So yeah, but we had a love to read. We love to read and voracious readers, mm-hmm. avid readers, voracious, just reading all the time. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, there's like I said, there's just so much, and you know, honestly, like. Oh yeah, excuse me, right, pick quick. Yeah. I also end up having a painting hanging in the library. That's right. As, as I got. That's right. As the aquarium scene, right? The yeah. fish painting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. And, uh, you know, again, just one another when you're many, many talents and speaking yeah, of like, a, you know, like the. Yeah, I was a consultant for building diverse audiences um, right. for the Ohio Council, mm-hmm. Ohio Arts Council at the time. So, you know, that was my job. And you guys, the Positive Force, performed with the Toledo Symphony Orchestra, yep. you know, and one of those series, you know, for Urban, the Youngsters and things. And you were video, you were the mm-hmm. videographer by that time. And Kalila, she was like in her um, last year performing right. Positive Force at that time, but actually having youngsters up there performing with the Toledo Symphony Orchestra. Right. I know, don't know if they... And I introduced them, mm-hmm. you know, the, and there was like thousands and thousands that day that watched that came from other public schools, all the public schools right. were there to watch that. I don't know if there was anything like of that caliber before or since. I don't like, think I'm so assuming either. like probably, you know, something typical like the ballet, you know, ballet students or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but um, to but bring like a more the positive Temporary, yeah. In there to perform with the Toledo Symphony Orchestra. Right. That was just like, wow. Yeah. That was the epitome of of a lot of things that we had done up to that point mm-hmm. with the Positive Force and Ad Love Productions. Yeah. Yeah. But Ad Love Productions, that was, I thank God for us having those years there um, in Ohio when we did that. Mm-hmm. It was just such a, planted a lot of positive oh, seeds yeah. in Toledo, Ohio. And yeah, that's where absolutely. It, be- it began, you know. But more importantly, just, I mean, maybe not more importantly, but maybe I'm being a little selfish, but with us. Yeah, like, oh, it planted a lot of positive seeds with us. Yeah, but you and your sister, you were the catalyst. You were the, 
you were the catalyst of the positive force performers. You mm. were the nucleus. Mm. You know, if I didn't have Camila and Kalila, mm. you were training those youngsters. You know, right. all I was basically was the overseer, right. pretty much, you know. Yeah. But you were the one that was teaching them how to dance, the routines. You know, they imitated, they imitated you. Right. That's how the other youngsters learn. Right. You know, so they would yeah. look over at you and pick this up. So you and your sister, I highly commend you oh, for you. being those youngsters that were the positive um, influence to a whole community of other youngsters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Most definitely. Um, and now that, you know, you're still doing um doing your own thing making sure that you're running your own businesses and um now you've moved on to a new venture you have another <laughs> skill yeah. another new a new talent that yeah. you know a revisited talent that got revised yeah i guess so you know, i kind of switched around got remixed yeah. a little bit like yeah. it's still in the creating yeah. aspect um still very artistic yeah. uh it's now like leatherworks yeah and sewing yeah sewing yeah, so i mean it's something that you've you already knew how to do, you know, just mm -hmm. like the normal stuff, obviously, you know. Uh, um, yeah. And I remember, you know, way back when we used to make uh, felt. Hand puppets. Yeah, hand yeah. puppets and like uh -huh. uh, pup, like felt pillows or yeah. like people pillows or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I did a lot of embroidery on the back of yeah. your jackets and yeah. your, oh, man. your jeans. On the, oh, yeah, yeah. all the studs and, and the bedazzles yeah, and the painting. painting yeah. The, yeah, painting whatever you wanted on your jeans back then. I still wish I had that. I don't understand why I don't have like any of, I didn't keep any of those jeans that, yeah, we had a lot there. of, I mean, I think the things just ended up just getting away, you yeah. know, we had things that were, we actually were saving, you yeah. know. Well, now you're making dapper dap kits, and yeah. you're making um, like just about any and everything leather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, your baby shoes, yeah, moccasins, exactly. children moccasins, um, custom design. Um, I first started sewing when I was like a little girl, of course, back mm. in that time. My grandmother and my mom, they taught me how to hand stitch and all that, buttons sewing on. Mm. And then my mother, she bought me my first sewing machine when I was about, I think I was in the fifth, fifth grade. So I was about 10 years old when I got my first sewing machine. Um, and then I ended up years later, a few years ago, I wanted to buy a sewing machine for my mother. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I even got interested in sewing again, you know, because oh. I was going to buy the sewing machine for my mom to give her something to do that was really positive, you know, for her creativity. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting this interest in sewing myself, you know, <laughs> I started watching um, some people and. Like, wow, they made that leather bag. Hmm. So I, I like leather saying, bags. Yeah, exactly. So, hey, I'm going to learn how to make myself a leather bag. Right. So that's where that came in. So I ended up getting, like, um, industrial sewing machines. My daughter, you, <laughs> invested um, recently in my yes. creativity and got me the, the top of the tip-top best <laughs> machines going that are industrial that sews thick leather so hey i'm really in there now i'm like whoa so yeah i sew a lot of things now and i really love working with leather and um my plans are to eventually have a a location where i can teach youngsters mm. again a youngsters a, another skill right. of um leather work mm. because you can make so many things oh, you know yeah. guitar straps clothing jackets your own coats Bracelets, you know hats bags, yeah bags of plenty like, exactly camera bag purse wallet, yeah definitely you know dop kits yeah. you know just every belts definitely so that's what my my next venture will be is mm. working with youngsters to teach them the craft of leather yeah yeah working. and it's a, it's a good one yeah. that's a that's not as uh it's not an easy skill to master yeah i would imagine um but so you know it's it takes a lot of training yeah. a lot of practice that's a lot of for patience sure. yeah. a lot of a lot of uh 
you know, just a lot of focus, I would imagine. Just talent Definitely. in general, being able to, to see mm-hmm. what is, you know, like how they say, um, you know, uh, they saw, Michelangelo saw, uh, you know, the marble or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, and he made David. And yeah, they're exactly. like, well, how did you do that? I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. Yeah. So just, you exactly. know. <laughs> right. Again, seeing that end result. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah. it comes right back around. Yep, exactly. Full exactly, circle. Yep, full circle, yep, baby. Yep. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean. Yep. Okay, so basically, you know, this is bas- this is kind of like the end of our podcast oh, today. Um, but I just want to, you know, let you know, like you, speaking of role models, like you are my very first mm-hmm. and like the main role model, my goal of who I uh, strive to, to be oh, in life. You know, you are the first strong, positive black woman in my sights. Mm-hmm. You, you led by example. Mm-hmm. You, you taught us everything that we needed mm-hmm. to know in order to be successful. Yes. I am so proud of you. Thanks, love. I thank you immensely wow. for everything. Thank you. Everything. Thank you, love. You have done my entire life. I appreciate um, you. You are, you are my rock. You are a blessing. You are, uh, you know, you are my love. Thank you, love. <laughs> so, you know. Same to you, honey. Uh, <laughs> Multiplied um, to the nth degree. You're the same. Thank you know, you. it's come around full circle. It's like you're my role model. Oh. You know, you're who I aspire oh. to become. So it's like that's let's, the way let's it just came keep around. Inspiring each full other. Circle. Yes. Let's just keep inspiring each other. We'll just keep, keep lifting each other up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I tell you, I'm blessed above and beyond measure. I could not have prayed for two better children ever. You know, um, I wanted to write a book when you were youngsters about how to raise the perfect child, but I knew not to because I never knew, oh, gosh, what if I write this book and, oh, gosh, something happens. But, hey, at this You're age, safe now. Yeah, you I can think totally I can. I now. believe I can. I'm going to go ahead and write that book. Like because, exactly. I yeah, mean, yeah. not to toot my own horn, but uh, I feel like, you know. Yeah, I believe it's a, it's, it's possible, I people. Think you can totally. It's possible, yeah. But yeah. you and your sister, you never gave me any trouble or growing up or any of that. You know, um, I had... No teenage craziness or any of that, and I know it's possible to raise a, a child. Mm-hmm. Always was my as I, my grandmother taught us. There's no such thing as a bad child, right. and I was my thing is there's no such thing as a bad child. Only the food that you feed them. Right. So it basically is about what you feed your children, mm-hmm. whether that be um, physical nurturing of the actual food mm-hmm. or the spiritual of the words that you're speaking over them and the way you're imparting things to them right. the love that you add love just right. add love you know and god is love the greatest force in the universe and that's the whole thing the catalyst as my grandmother would say the um, love is that ingredient she said magic ingredient mm-hmm. that made everything come together she said but add love it's true so everything i do i try to add love you it's know true. yeah and you have you've done that you've accomplished that thank you love. again thank you Thank, Thank you for you. being on my show. Thank you, Camila <laughs> Adams. I appreciate you. And, and Adams Friedson. <laughs> it's okay. The podcast yes. world knows me as Adams. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Rugged, rugged angel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, again, you know, thank you for finally, you know, I'm happy. I'm so excited that you, Bless you honey. are on here. And, you know, finally we can do oh. this in person. This is what oh. I've been waiting for thank in you, order to, to make it happen. And, um, thank you, Lord. So now, folks, we are going to go back to our family visit. Yay. And, um, you know, again, thank yeah. you, Mom. Thank and, you. Um, you know, keep on, you know, you thank you for adding love to everything you do. Bless you, honey. <laughs> A 
billion blessings above and beyond measure to you. I love you above and beyond measure and perpetual success. And all that you continue to set your hand to and everywhere you tread your feet upon, you continue to prosper. Thank in you, Jesus' love. name. Amen. I love you. I love you. Thank mm -hmm. you.